to speak um, from God's Word. Um, you know, and as we are diving into the sermon series that we were looking in, what is our topic? It's about being different. It's about being different. The idea of the entire message is that as a child of God, there's a big responsibility over us. There's a big responsibility. You know, the higher, some of us love promotions in life, right? And with greater promotion gum, comes greater responsibility. Is that true? Praise the Lord. As a normal, you know, person living in this world, there are no responsibilities. You can live your life the way you want. But as a child of God, with that promotion in life that you and me have received, a family, a personal life, with that promotion comes responsibility. With that promotion comes with power. Promotion comes with power. And with that comes responsibility. The way we live in this world. And my goal to our church today, my message to our community today, and as we are diving into this conversation set um, of being different as a child of God, I want to bring your attention towards of living for God. Living for God. I'm sure everybody in this room, at least once per day, you might have heard through any YouTube preacher or a scripture that you were reading, or if you're a child, you know, your parents or your preacher might say, Praise the Lord. Living for God. We have come across this statement in our life so much that we actually don't know what we are living for. What does it mean living for God? What does it mean that you are living? When you are living in this world, it simply means that you are breathing and you're functioning as a human being. You are being as a person, which means you're doing something. When you say, I am living for God, what does it mean? I am living, I am doing what God wants me to do, and which, which showcases in the way I am living for God. It's not just a one-time statement that I hear or I declare. When you're water baptized, and I'm like, you know what? You need to live for God. And if you live for God, you will receive the crown of life that God Himself wants to give to you. But living for God is a daily process. And not just a daily thing. It's every second of our life. Every minute detail of who I am as a child of God. Remember this, that we are here and we need to live for God. Under my voice, everybody, no matter what our age group is, but if you're here listening to this, God wants us to be children who are living for God. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Living for God has some duties, some responsibilities. Let's dive into the book of First Peter as we were doing as a topic, you know, series of lectures that we were going through here. And uh, today I want to finish up First Peter, the conversation that we were doing. First Peter chapter 4 and 5 is where we want to camp for some time. I'm going to read for you. First Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered in His body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Number one, when you live for God, it's about the attitude you are carrying. Are you with me? The attitude you're carrying. When you live for Jesus, the attitude is about how your mind is wired to carry your life into forward direction. Are you with me? I am living for God and that's my attitude. 
arm yourself also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Verse 2, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So when you declare that I am living for God, it simply means that I don't live for the world, I live for God. What does it mean? That I don't no longer live in the evil practices that I used to do. My identity perhaps would be the evil thing that came through my life and the things that I might have done. But the moment I understand that the calling of my life is greater as a child of God with the promotion, the responsibility is greater. World around us holds us as a greater standard and I live for God. It simply means that my attitude has changed, that I don't live for the world any longer, but rather I live for the will of God. I live for the will of God. Peter is addressing to the persecuted church, right? He's writing to a group of people who are persecuted, who are broken, who are scattered. And Peter is saying, you know what? You're going through persecution. Yes, that's true. You're going through suffering in your life. Yes, that's true. But still have an attitude in your mindset that you are going through what you're going through in the perfect will of God. God will never take you through a place where He has never planned for you at all. Are you with me? For the Israelites to follow Moses through the Red Sea, I'm like, what a stupid idea. Are you real that you want us to go through Red Sea? Do you not see the big ocean here? Do you not see how we will be drowned? But hey guys, all you got to do is follow your leader. If Moses, who has heard a voice from God, raise your rod, and this will be potted, there is an intention for that. The reason why God led them through the Red Sea is not just them to cross over the land as quick as possible, but also to drown their fears that captivated them for years and years. That put them in slavery for years and years. God intended them to be drowned in the Red Sea. Why is God leading you? Some painful situations. When you go through that, my friends, the same enemies and circumstances that came against your life and wanted to kill you and destroy you will be drowned. Your fears will never thrive in your life when you're moving forward in the direction and the will of God Almighty. Your fears will succumb when you are in the plan and purposes and in the living will of God Almighty. And under my voice, if there is anybody here, you might think, God, I can't do this. My life is filled with fear. I can't, I don't have the strength, Lord. Don't worry. Jesus is with you. Have the same attitude, the will of God in your life. Living for God. As a child of God, we're living for God, right? You can't live for two people. I want to bring your attention to the next portion that um, dying is easy. Living is hard. Is that true? Dying is easy. Living is hard. You know, when somebody meets with their beloved, they're like, I will die. I will die. I will die for you. But hey, you know what? Don't die. Live. Because when you are living, you are dying every day. Let that sink in for a while. As a child of God, Jesus wants us to die for the world and then to live for Him. Is that true? 
I'm talking from Bible. Jesus helps us to understand, you can't follow me if you have not died for the world. Our identity begins when we die in Christ Jesus. The moment I take water baptism, I go immerse into the water. I come back again. I'm a new believer. What does it signify? I have died. My old self is gone. I am being reborn. My attitude has changed. And I'm living for the will of God to thrive in my life. Dying is easy. Living is hard. Are you with me? So the next time, your beloved one, it's Valentine's week, y'all. A lot of them are going to give you greeting cards and you know, give you roses and say, oh, man, I'm going to die for you. Look at them and say, my pastor said, don't die for me, live for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And if your so-called partner will not live for you, that person ain't going to be in your life. Amen. Live for the people that we love the most in our life. And Christ wants us that as we are living for God, that we must die in this world. Die in our natural self and our sinful nature. The carnal nature that tries to entangle us. The addictions of life that tries to put in the dungeon of, of ever dark. God wants to light up that situation. And He's asking you, come out of that. Live for me. Live for me. Live for me. Many years ago, many, many, many years ago, I think it was maybe 300 or 400 years ago when there was, before the Reformation happened in the United Kingdom, in the uh, 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 European countries, uh, there was, I forgot the man's name, but there was this guy, young guy who, uh, forget, forgive me if the person that I'm mentioning is not correct, I think it's John Knox, but one of the, you know, this guy was questioned because he was a follower of Christ Jesus. He was an ardent follower of Jesus Christ. And the queen said, you know what? You reject Christ, you can live. He said, I will die right now in the flames, but I will live for Jesus Christ. I will live for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Early church Christians, even at the midst of persecution, they said, you know what? You kill me, but I will never defy the name of God Almighty. In the book of Daniel, you come across these three Hebrew boys who were thrown in the fiery furnace. But you know what they said? It doesn't matter. Our God will come and serve us and save us. Even if it does not, I will never bow down to an evil image that you have made. I will not give up my life as a child of God, no matter who comes with me who doesn't I don't go with popular opinion here I decide my attitude has changed once somebody's attitude has changed his heart is fixed his mind is fixed and he's determined to do what God has asked him to do and he follows Lord I want to live for you and I want to know your will over my life your will over over my life everything that I do Lord I want to know your will over my life. Let's look, look into the next scripture here. And, and, and as we look into 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. It says be self-controlled and alert. Let's just pause there for a moment. Be self-controlled and alert. You know in life many problems come across because we are not self-controlled. Self-control is the is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a gift. It's the fruit of the Spirit. As a spiritual man, as a child of God, the fruit that is evident of your life is simply because you are dwelling on God's Word and it is about self-control. 
In families, there are chaotic situations because we are not controlling ourselves. You know who is a good leader? A good leader is a person who not only manages thousands of people, but leader is a person who manages himself. You cannot be a leader outside if you don't manage yourself. Are you with me? And as I was reading this, you cannot be a leader if you don't practice on the gift of self-control. A leader is one who manages himself. Are you with me here? Every single one of me. That's under my voice in this room. That as we talk, we teach, we need to understand the biblical portion here. Is God wants us to be, as we live for God, one of the things we understand here is that we live for God by being self-controlled. Some of the decisions what me sometimes we make is so quick. Have you control yourself, your emotions, and you talk through it? Self-control. Before we get to do something, before we move into an area. Or let me just pause and take our church into another direction here. When we are in a place where we know we shouldn't be getting into that. We know we shouldn't be doing that. What happens? We get to do, we do that. Why? Because we are not self-controlled. We're not self-controlled. It can apply in every aspect. The doctor told you don't eat sugar. You don't have self-control. There was this uncle in, uh, uh, in our Hindi service that we started in Arizona a couple of years ago. This uncle was told that please don't eat any sugar. We prayed for him. All that is good. Doctors gave him a clear warning. Don't eat. Um, I left Arizona. His leg, one of the legs was amputated because of... Um, High sugar levels, right leg was amputated because of high, but he will never quit. No matter what goes in his life, his wife, Auntie Amaji Pao, and she was calling and she's crying over the phone. They're a North Indian family and like, what can we do? Self-control. Some of us are in a habit that sin has taken over our life like a leprosy. It starts small, it's taking over our life. You know with leprosy, what happens is you have to ampute off. And that's where we have to understand as a child of God that God wants us to be people who are self-controlled in your emotions, in your behavior, when you're with people and without people. Character is developed when you're all by yourself, nobody around you. Self-control. Are you with me? Self-control. Number two, self-control and not just that, but be alert. But be alert. How do you be alert? In your mind. You're always alert. Why? Because you know that in your attitude, you know in your mind that I live for, I live for God. I live for God alone in my life. I live for God alone in my life. Let's go forward. Let's go forward quick, quick, quickly. As we did, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Looking for someone that he can destroy. Your enemy and sometimes when I talk about the devil, people want to see a picture of two horns with red lights and a tongue out, scary looking devil. That's, my, that's, my, that, that's something that we might think about when we talk about the devil. Oftentimes the devil will not come. And most times, not just oftentimes, most times, or the devil doesn't come in that image at all. He might be in a very friendly way. You know, in the book of Genesis, it talks about when Adam and Eve, or when Eve by herself, what animal came? It was a snake, right? They used, 
there, the word that's been used there is snake, of course, yes. But you have to understand, it's not just the snake that the Bible is talking about. It is the personality of what came into Eden at that moment. Snake is very quiet and calm in its approach. You don't know when a snake has come into. I've been, I grew up in the tropic. I grew up in South India. Killed many snakes. For all those animal lovers, I'm sorry. You may love it. I will send it to you guys. But if I see a snake, I'm killing it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's very quiet and very calm when he comes in. Doesn't make much noise. You know what Bible says? What is the word? What's the word? Be clever like the. Help me, help me with that. Help me with that. Be, be, be soft-spoken like the dove, and be clever like the snake. I'm just paraphrasing. I don't know the exact the KJV or the NIV there. But listen to this. The idea of the snake being mentioned in the Old Testament. The idea of the snake being mentioned in the Old Testament is that it's a calm, quiet, slithery animal that just came into, even without you noticing it. That's the idea when the devil approaches. You may not know it. You give him an inch, he takes the room all completely. And that's why the Bible helps us to understand. One, be self-controlled. Two, be alert. Number two, after that, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. He's walking, working over time just to see whom he can attack and kill and destroy. But verse 9 is what I love to camp here. You can, I've underlined this for you guys and you can read it later. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. My brothers, here's my message, that you might think that this is all that I am going through. No, no, no. You are not just for yourself. There are many others in this world who are going through what you're facing. But the Bible helps us to understand, resist him. How do you resist somebody? How do you resist? How do you resist someone that is trying to take over your life? You put the complete armor of God. And you stand strong, you stand the ground that you will never allow anybody to take over what is rightfully yours. You resist. You push them back. You resist the enemy. It is a warfare. It is a fight. It's not easy. It's not like, hey, you know what? I'm going to join you, join with you, throw my hands over the person, walk with him and talk to him nicely. No, it doesn't want to work that way. Resist the devil. Are you with me? Resist the devil. And some of us are best friends with the devil. Best friends with the work of the devil. No, resist him is what the word is helping us to understand. And if you resist him, here, let's read James chapter, James chapter 4 verse 7. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come on somebody. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The beauty of God's word is that when you try to resist what is coming against you, it's not just by your own strength and ability, but God will help you and your enemy will flee. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Resist the enemy. He will flee. Are you with me, church? Under my voice. 
oppresses the enemy. So next time, next week, this week, coming weekend, when you go back to work, school, wherever, life gives you opportunities, you walk into these places, there are going to be moments where your self-control is tested. But hey, understand, you may not do it by your own strengths and abilities. The fruit of the Spirit depends upon the root, and the root is developed in a quiet place, in a saturated place, and it is on the Word of God. Your strength on the fruit is found on the root system, which is found in God's Word and nowhere else. This Word helps you, my friend. In challenging situations, this Word helps you. When you're living for God and want to resist the devil, use the Word of God. This is the armor that has been given to you. Use the Word of God. As we live for God, we live by meditating God's Word. When you live your life, you can't live your life without food. Is that true? Is that, how many of you are already hungry? Oh, come on. You can't live without food. Our soul, our spiritual man needs food as well. Whatever we eat for the cravings of the, the carnal man outside will never satisfy the need and the thirst and the hunger of the inner soul. David cries out saying, God, my soul thirsted for thee. I am hungry for you, Lord. And I'm asking our church and in my voice, when you declare that you're living for God, when you declare that I'm living for God, it's about my thought process, my attitude, my resistance, and it's about how I'm feeding, how I am feeding my soul. What you don't feed will die. What you don't feed will be starved to death. Feed your soul if you're living for God. Feed your soul if you have made this choice of living for God. Listen to this. It is easier to resist the devil at the beginning than to resist him at the end. A lot of us might think, a lot of us might think that, you know what, it's okay, a little bit, you know. Towards the end, I will pull everything together. I'll pull up, to, pull stuff together and I can resist. I can fight him towards the end. That's not, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You give him an inch, it takes over completely. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the word that I want to declare to our church is, it is easier to resist at the beginning. The moment something comes up in your life that contradicts to the Word of God, the moment something comes up in your life that contradicts to who you are as a child of God, resist Him right there. Get rid of it right there. If there are habits that are not good for your life as a, as a child of God, as a leader, habits can be changed if you are self-controlled. It is easier to resist at the beginning, then to wait till the end. A lot of us wait till the end, little by, it's okay, fine. There was an experiment that was done to a frog. They took the frog and put him in a water. And when they put him in the water, what they did was, they started boiling the water. The frog thought, you know what? I have the ability to jump. I am known as the greatest jumpers. I, am, I can skip out of this. I can jump out of this. And this frog was in this container. I'm actually, I have got a frog. I'm just going to do that illustration here. That's okay. Just got everybody's mind, you know, alert. I will never touch that thing. But 
in the story, as I was reading, they said that they started increasing the temperature. At first, all and everything was so cool, so good. Well, the, the, the frog thought that, you know what, it's a good jacuzzi. I, I love this environment. My muscles have been relaxed. It is so good. This experience is never found anywhere else. He was enjoying his life in that vessel. But they started increasing. He didn't want to jump out. Towards the end, he wanted to jump out because the surrounding temperature was increased a lot. But what happened? He was so weak that he could not. And he became a good soup for a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> Your appetite is already lost. But I have hit goal with my point here. Resist the devil. Resistance is good at the very beginning. Don't wait till the end. Because if you wait till the end, you will lose the game. As a child of God, we are called to win. When the moment you are in a season, position of resistance, flee from it. You know what? I love the story in the Old Testament. I'm just going to, this is going to be another jovial story. Okay? In the Old Testament, this is this guy called Joseph, right? I love him. Wherever Joseph goes, he's the leader. Have you ever thought, you know, a slave becoming a leader in somebody's house? No, it's not possible. But you put Joseph wherever he is, he becomes the leader. Even in the prison, he is the leader. Like he is the prince, no matter where you take it. Circumstances did not change him for who he is because the calling and the prophecy of God in his life. And he lived his life in that calling. But listen to this. He was put in a situation where he could have just enjoyed the momentary blessings, the momentary fleshly carnal nature of that beautiful lady. But what did he do? He didn't even care about his lungi. Left that and ran. I don't worry about my lungi. All I matter is I need to live for God. My calling is important that the circumstance around me, I am living for God, I need to flee at this moment. If I stand there for a little more time, this lady has all the grooves and all the moves and all the curves to pull me down. But I am here not for this person. I am here in the calling of the high God and I will flee, I will flee, I will flee. Why did Joseph become the prime minister of Egypt? Because he chose to flee. When God asked and God gave him situations in your life. I'm, why, why am I sharing this? It's life lessons. It's a conversation. Things can happen in your life, my life too. All of us. Nobody is safe in this world. We live in a carnal, broken world. But you choose. You choose how you live your life. I don't live for the world. I die for the world. But I live for God himself. Out, out of resistance comes strength. My next point to you, out of resistance comes strength. How does out of resistance come strength? It's a quote that I read recently. Out of resistance comes strength. When you start resisting, the one that has tried to take you over, you don't even know the strength that is there within you. And when you grow weaker, that's when you ask, Lord, I cannot do this. Benjamin is the strongest man in this church right now. Come here, Ben. I've called him a lot of times for my illustrations. He's a blessed, blessed. Yesterday night, Ben and I and some of us here, we were here till 12.30. Works hard for our church. Thank you, Ben. But I want you to, don't push me so hard. You know, I know you're stronger, stronger together. Very intentional as he's wearing that. But I want you to push me. I am the evil, nice looking evil guy, okay? You're the good guy for now, okay? So I want you to push me slowly, okay? Anisha's watching. Okay, yeah, 
Now you go weak. Now you go weak. And I try taking over. That's when you say, God, say God. God. I need you. Come on. Say God. God. No, no, don't laugh. Say God. God. I need, be serious. Say God. (laughs) Say God. God. I need you. And when it is hard for you to stand, you know what you should do? You should kneel. Kneel down. In life, when it is hard for you to stand, kneel down. Heaven backs you up. That's the principle. And now you pray, God, God, I am broken. broken. I need your strength. I am weak. I need your strength. strength. Now keep pushing me. Keep pushing me and stand up. You know why you did that? When life is hard, to stand up. It's better you kneel down. Thank you, Ben. When you kneel down, my friends, you let the world around you know you don't stand with your own power. You stand with the power of the Almighty God. He backs you up, my friend, no matter where you are in life's journey. But my God is for you. And if God is for you, who can ever stand against? Out of resistance comes strength. In my weakness, he is strengthened. My prayer to our church today is, Lord, strengthen us. We are weak as human. We are weak, O oh Lord. We can easily fall into the traps of the enemy. I can have the worship team behind me. We can easily fall into the traps of the enemy, God. But I need you. I need you. I need you. My cry and my prayer for our church this week, the coming weeks, as we wind up our story from First Peter, is Lord, is Lord, when I am weak, help me, O oh Lord. I will be found on my knees. I'll be found on my knees. When everything goes wrong in your life, my friend, Jesus does not go wrong. He is the only source that we ever need in our life. That's the blessed assurance that we have. Can we all rise up in God's house as we pray and conclude our service today? But hey, as you you ponder on God's word, you need to understand out of resistance, out of resistance, out of resistance comes strength. I'm going to read the next scripture that is as I'm winding up. It talks about shepherds of James chapter 5 verse 2. Promise you this is my last word. James chapter 5 verse 2 talks about shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Listen to this very carefully. Everybody, as leaders, shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. You know what? As, a, as in the Malayalam service, I mentioned about this. I don't believe prophetic word visions are given only to pastors. That is not biblical at all. And I don't believe that there is only one person appointed as a shepherd. I believe the New Testament church, there are shepherds in the house. There are people that God has given under your care. It might be the 40 non-talking, non-commenting, non-liking Facebook friends you have. It might be those two who sit by your cubicle, who who are around you in your workspace or your school. But God has given people around and under your care. Bible helps us to understand. Shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. God's call for us as we live for God is that we also watch over what God has given us. It's our call as fathers in the house, 
as families in the community. God has called us that we watch over the people that God has given us. Talks about not because you must, but because you are willing. Listen to this. Not because you say, Lord, just because you forced me, I'm going to do it. Not because you must. Not because somebody asked you to do it, but because you're willing. Willingness to serve comes from your heart. Willingness to serve in God's kingdom comes from your heart. You live for God. You show through your life that you are living for God by watching over the people that God has given you. You live for God and it simply shows in the way that you practice the Lord, I am willing to serve. I am willing to serve. I am willing to serve. Verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. The crown of glory. My last point is, with resistance comes glory. The glory of the risen Lord. The glory of the return coming, soon coming Jesus Christ is over our life. He's calling us. As we look into the sweet presence of Jesus Christ, let's worship Him in this room today. And we declare, Lord, when you walk into the room, everything changes. My circumstances will change. This season will change. And I declare that I am living for you, living for your glory, living for you alone, oh Jesus. I love you. I love you.